Alright, and welcome back to another episode of The Wire. No Tim this week, so I am doing the intro. Kyle, how you feeling? You are with us today. I am with us today. Um, physically, mentally, spiritually. I don't know, it was a weird weekend. I, I had to do a lot of deep breaths. Um, both between the Patriots and the, the phenom that is Justin Herbert. It got close. Oh, okay. I wasn't so, sure where you were going with that yeah, one. Yeah, right off the rat, right off the bat, I just want to say... Um, Prayers, thoughts and prayers to everybody that was victimized by Justin Herbert and his huge performance. If you managed to withstand it, though, kudos to you. And I'm in that boat. Fingers crossed. Waiting for Monday night. But Either way, how you doing, sir? We're fantastic. So this week, we're going to jump into uh, some ideas of wh- what you're going to do with your team as it stands right now. Uh, we'll touch on it in a little bit of redraft and a little bit of dynasty. Um, we'll also give you our waiver wise things. So let's jump into it. Yeah, yeah, it's the wire. It's the wire. It's the wire. D. Griffin. Griffin. This the wire. Serving up a hot take. Around the league, serving gems like a hot plate. Who's the flex? First pick. Rounds four to eight. Trading with the base. That's Superman. We need a cake. This that fantasy. See who get the glory. Who's gonna stay up in their lane talking Tory? Who gon' ride up on the train with a hype at? Yeah, you wanna start him, but matches you might not like that. Three tutties next week, many's double covered. Takes on a hundred coming out the oven. Tim and Todd, they the guys, know you gotta love them. Take your pick, do it quick, they on fire. The wire. All right, Mr. Kyle, like we said in the intro, just does. We've got some, some good topics to break down this week. Uh, what do you want to start with? you want to start with the, with the main topic? you want to run through the waiver wires first? Or actually, should we touch on the couple guys that are actually injury-prone first? Well, not injury-prone, that injured this week. Yeah, I might as well rip the Band-Aid off. You you go start? along with the injury theme, we'll, we'll rip the Band-Aid and let's talk injuries first. All right, so we had a couple big injuries this week. Some not so serious, some more serious, it seems like. Um, I guess we could start with the ma- the major one, Russ. This was ugly, gross, ugly. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers should not bend that way. No, no, they should not. I mean, I was really optimistic with this one when we saw uh, Stafford have his, and he got it taped up, and it was great, and we moved on. And I was hoping the same thing was going to happen with Russ. And the more time I saw him on the sidelines, trying to throw and shaking his hand, and trying to throw and shaking his hand, it all just went downhill for me. <laughs> yeah, and it it's tough because. It's one of those things where, you know, certain quarterbacks use their index finger as like their dominant finger to, to help throw the ball. Sure. Others use their middle finger to help with throwing the ball and they're kind of middle finger dominant. I get the sense that Russ is more the middle finger dominant because he was trying to throw, wasn't working out. He he was on the field for like another play or two. He had a handoff and then tried to make a throw and it just didn't work out. Um, so he had the surgery and yeah, it at best we're looking at a month, but you know, the the other outlook is six to eight weeks. Yeah, that's a long ways away, that's that's for sure. But I mean, Gino didn't look horrible, but it's still Gino. Um and this hurts everywhere, everywhere possible for me. I have DK in just about every league I possibly could have owned him in. I have Russ in two leagues, so this hurts for me. I was very disappointed to see this one. To be honest though, I think I think you're going to be a little bit better off than you might think. Um, because 
at least it seemed like with Tyler Lockett, there was always kind of that mind meld with him and Russ. Um, you always end up having those, you know, three to four deep shots a game. It seemed like with Lockett, where you didn't get that so much with DK. He was more kind of like a possession and you know intermediate type stuff. Um, I'm not too sure that Gino is going to try those deep shots as much, um, and I think he just he kind of seemed to more lean on the bigger frame that is DK. And we saw that kind of play out with the touchdown that he ended up getting. Um, yeah, I, I think he's going to be a little bit more friendly with DK, just a bigger target, bigger frame. But, I mean, we'll see. that This will be the first full week of practice that he's had with, with those guys. You could end up with somebody who he's practiced, you know, a third, fourth stringer, Freddie Swaim or someone like that, that he just ends up being buddy-buddy with because that's who he's been practicing with. I hate that shit when that happens. <laughs> it's the worst. It's the actual worst, but um, yeah, we'll we'll have to kind of wait and see how it plays out. No, I mean, I agree with you on that. I think Lockett does take the biggest hit with Russ going down. Um, their connection is undeniable, and I do agree with you that I think DK is probably going to be okay. I think it'll. I think obviously this Russ going down limits the ceiling of all of these players. Mm-hmm. But do I think that he's still going to see? I don't know. We'll say anywhere between five to seven targets a game. Yeah, I. In that sense, I think. DK will be the much safer option if you were between DK and Lockett. So in that sense, yeah. Does like I said, I think it limits his ceiling. I think there'll be less big plays. Um, and that does hurt DK as well, because DK does get his deep balls, he does get his deep shots at the same time. So in that sense, it it could be interesting. But we will see. It's too early to say. We haven't really seen enough to say one way or another yet. Yeah, it's an interesting point because in the same on the same team, you're talking about Chris Carson being hurt as well. Um, we don't know what's going to happen with that. And a lot of times you would think with, um, a lesser talented quarterback or a lesser quarterback, you know, whichever term you want to use, you might lean on the run game a little bit more. Um, I'm curious to see if that happens when you're looking at DJ Dallas, Alex Collins, uh, Travis Homer and company, you know, how much are you really going to be able to lean on that run game versus, all right, Gino, here's the keys go. Cause we're going to need you that. Our defense is still terrible, and we need to score points in this NFC West in order to win games. So, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I don't see them leaning on the run game that much, and I'm not so worried about Carson. He was a game-time decision coming into Thursday. Um, On a long week, I bet there's a better chance he plays, obviously, and then now we're going to have a a week and a half out before he plays again. So, there's probably a good chance Carson plays, but at the same time, Carson hasn't been great to begin with, so I still think a lot of this is going to ride on Geno. That offense needs to throw the ball. Like you said, the defense is horrible. So, again, it's still too early to see. Let's see what we get with a full game of Geno um, and go from there. Yeah, agreed. Um, I guess we'll, we'll jump into the next less serious one, I guess we'll talk about, and that's CH. Um, in the beginning of the third quarter, if I remember correctly, CH goes down on an awkward kind of hit. He gets twisted backwards. I thought it looked really serious. He was punching the ground, screaming. He hurt his knee pretty bad, it seemed like. We got the report earlier today. It's only his knee sprain. He's only expected to be out probably three weeks. They're not even putting him on IR. So who knows? It could be earlier, but I would expect at least three weeks. Um, But I think we dodged the bullet on that one. Yeah, I mean, I think there's... You know, the fact that they didn't put him on IR, it's similar to the CMC situation where you're, you're kind of optimistic that he only misses two games. Um, because if you know you're going to miss three weeks, you might as well put him on the short-term IR and open up a roster spot. Sure. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, anytime you, you start talking about knee injuries and running backs, you get nervous just because it, it happens. And, um, it's just one of those, when you see him go down like that, his reaction just instantly made my stomach turn. I thought it was so much worse than it was. Yeah. And I, I'm sure he was probably assuming the worst. Oh Um, yeah, I'm sure. I know. And I had my ACL injury. I heard as soon as it happened, I heard a pop and just pain and I assumed the worst right away. So I'm sure some of that kind of went through his mind. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he was one that, you know, he was starting to take off a little bit. I think he was starting to get a little bit more work, a little bit more in the run game. Um, but you know, maybe it, it'll help to put him on the shelf for a couple of weeks. Just let him rest up and, um, we'll see how it ends up going. It's disappointing because you're right. He was taking off. And again, another guy that I have in too many places and, it's just a brutal week for me as far as injuries goes, and that's kind of been my theme for the last couple of weeks at this point. It all gets us at some point, buddy. Yeah, this is my year, it seems like. But So the next we've got to jump into is the nightmare of that Dallas-Giants game. It seemed like every five plays somebody was getting That was hurt. a morgue. That basically I, became I've a never morgue. seen anything like that. That was unreal. And most of them were the most ridiculous injuries, just stuff that happens... Every day, running, like, just nonsense stuff, and people are just blowing major, like, I shouldn't say nobody had any major injuries, it seemed like, but it was just injury after injury, taking people out of games between Danny Dimes going out with the concussion, he was a mess, boy looked like he just went through 10 rounds of a boxing match, stumbling around. that did not look great, you don't ever want to see somebody just not be able to keep their own feet. He had no idea what he was, not a clue. Yeah, that's that's always scary. And then Barkley rolling his ankle... It looked like he had a freaking goose egg on the side yeah. of it, on the sidelines. I could have, you would have asked me during that game too, I would have said he probably tore it in a ligament or something because yeah, his that ankle blew up. swore up so fast. It was unreal. Yeah, that blew up like a balloon, like you said. That that was not um, a pretty one to see. That was up there with the Russ injury in terms of just visually Oh yeah, disgusting. Great. Absolutely disgusting. And it was so quick, so very quick. And then we even in that game, we had Kenny G go out. Um with a knee, I think they said hyperextension. He's yep. week to week, and all of these guys are week to week at this point, outside of Rust. Um, but it's just like wow. And then we had uh, Tony go down for a play or two. He looked like he was hurt pretty bad for a second there. Luckily, he came back with just a big wrap on his ankle. Um, he came back to throw a punch. Hey, he came out fighting. Yeah. I love that fight. <laughs> came out swinging, right? <laughs> That's it. I'm never gonna knock him for coming out swinging. <laughs> I'm all here for it. But. I mean, there was one, a couple linemen, I think, went out in that game. There was defensive players. That was just... It was gross. It was ridiculous. Yeah. And it was all on the Giants. All the Giants. Maybe it's something in their water. I don't know. I guess. I knew there was worries about their field. There was a lot of Well, it's New that... Jersey, so that's probably part of the problem. I, I already have some built-in problems <laughs> Sorry, with New, New Jersey, Jersey people. lately. I, so, hope yeah. you, uh, I hope we have... Amazing listeners in New Jersey, and we appreciate all of you. But Nothing your water against sucks. the listeners. Yeah, the, wa- the water, the, the air, the field. There's something there that ain't right. Something ain't right. Absolutely. But as far as the injuries goes, those were really the major ones this week. Um, most of these guys are week to week. I just kind of got to pay attention to them. Russ is the one that really hurt. Russ, that sucks. Yeah, that, that, really that could sucks. be a, a much more long-term injury. And I never even heard of mallet finger until now. I didn't even know it was a thing. I mean, to be fair, how many of these injuries do we hear week to week and we have any idea what they actually are before we look them up besides yeah, no. an ankle was... sprain or an ACL tear? Yeah, we... I was never a biology guy, but mallet finger? Like, what's the what's the one, um... Uh, 
Etienne had with the foot. I forget. Oh, what. the Liz Frank. Liz Frank. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is a Liz Frank? Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't what know. part of my body is Liz Frank? Like, <laughs> who the fuck is that? Like, Show me where it hurts. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I would never understand. Never understand that before I looked it up. It's ridiculous. These injuries, they. I would love to know who comes up with these names. Yeah, Tommy no John. Like I guess, I guess, I guess Tommy John's a bad example because Tommy John got Tommy John. Listen, that, that at least <laughs> makes sense. But the rest of these, yeah. I'm who's Liz Frank? Come on. Yeah, show yourself. Yeah, <laughs> I need to know. I need the deets. I need the number. Whatever it is, somebody give me some info. Hey, that's where we're at. Either way, these guys are hurt, and um, that's gonna reflect in our in our waiver discussions. You know, like we talk about all the time, you have to be water. And injuries are going to happen, so that's kind of where we're at. And, you know, we talk about um, Kadarius Tony. He's one of the big ones, I think, that he showed up in a big, big way. Um, you know, for as far as the game that he had, almost 200 all-purpose yards. So, with everybody else that's banged up on that team, good pickup, I think. Doesn't look like he's going to be suspended from the punch. Uh, I saw. No, he'll probably just be fined. Yeah. Um. I don't know. That, that's tough. That's one of those wait and sees. But as far as I, I mean, I guess the natural thing here is for us to jump at the waiver wires at this point. Yeah. So I think Tony is a great way to start this off after that conversation. You're right there. Um, Tony had a monster day. He had 10 catches for 189 yards. Monster, monster day. Absolutely no denying it. He's talented. The boy's the human joystick. Great to watch. Um, Again, one of these things you got to pay attention, see what's going on with KG. He's obviously becoming a fragile as can be um but at the same time i don't know how permanent tony's role is yet um he's playing a lot of the slot and things of that sort where i don't know how much he stays on the field once Shepard and slayton come back and i mean both of these guys have been out what two weeks now yeah it's been a couple weeks so again if they were going to go on ir they probably would have went on short-term ir likely both of those guys are back next week at a minimum um, so Tony's role could diminish. I mean, I don't think we're ever going to see Tony get 13 targets again. Let's, let's be real. No. So as you go back to a five, four or five targets a game, something like that. And he's, he's an outside flex option. Maybe I could see that, but I wouldn't be banking on him to be having any monster games like this again. No, you definitely want to, uh, monitor the situation between Slayton and Shepard and see kind of where they're at. If they're out, then yeah, absolutely. He's worth a pickup. Um, if, if they do end up, if signs look like they're going to be coming back on the field, then you have to temper your expectations when it comes to Tony. I think he showed that he deserves some playing time. Um, it's just a matter of where he's going to end up in that offense. If, uh, you have Shepard and uh, Slayton coming back. So, yeah. yeah. And I mean, he's always been a guy I always liked. Um, I think you were out on him coming into the year, if I, if I remember correctly. Um, I liked him. I think Tim liked him as far as he wants to claim now. I don't know how true that is or not. <laughs> no, I, in his defense, I think he was on him. I was the odd man out as far as that goes. But I mean, he's like you said, he, you know, he was always had that nickname, the human joystick. And, you know, he's being used similar to how Debo was used last year, uh, very close to the line of scrimmage. But, you know, he gets occasional plays where he's stretching the field out a little bit, too. So. Um, it'll be interesting because like you said, you have the, the Danny dimes issue with the concussion. So some of those came with Mike Glennon. Uh, does Mike Glennon end up coming back next week and starting? I don't know. There's a lot of question marks on this giants offense now. Yeah, this it's going to be a mess. So I guess the natural next jump here is to go into Devonta Booker. 
Um, very underwhelming performance here. I mean, what did we say? Barkley missed a whole, at least three quarters, I want to say. Pretty much, yeah. Because he, he went Barkley out, what, went early out. second, end of first, if I remember correctly? Yeah, I was going to say, I think it was the end of the first, but it could have been early second, too. Either way, he got those. So the let's say he the got the, most of the game. Yep. Let, let, let's, let's just leave it at that. Um, 20 touches, 45 yards. He did get the two TDs, but... That's what saved his day. Absolutely saved his day, and I'm not looking on banking on him getting two TDs ever again in a game. Um, as a Barkley owner, you obviously have to go out and, and handcuff him. You obviously need him at this point because you probably spend good draft capital on, on Barkley and don't have another solid back. Well, you may, but most likely you don't have another high-end back like that that's sitting behind him. Yeah. you got to go get Booker. Um, at this point, running back depth is so, so important. Um, and the position the, is so thin. Yeah, I thought I sat there and thought about it, and I'm like, wow, I thought we had a lot of injuries last year, and I thought running back was really thin last year. It feels even worse this year. It feels way worse this year. It's one of those things where more and more teams are going towards committees, so now you're already kind of splitting up the pie in terms of actual production you can get out of the position, but then you kind of double down with that with the injuries, and it's in terms of having real viable RB1 and RB2 type players, they it almost down. doesn't exist. Yeah, the the drop off is, and this is why I tend to go RB heavy early in drafts. Is that that's such a steep drop off in terms of production? It's it's tough once you get past that top tier of talent. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, I think we can count on our fingers how many true RB ones there are at this point that ju- like strictly get all the touches and yep. Even some of them, it, it, you know, they have guys that are eating into touches and. I mean, we go back and forth on Zeke all the time, and he's obviously the dominant back in that backfield right now, but Pollard's still getting 10 to, 10 to 12 touches a game. And for most people, that that's a starting role on yeah. most other teams. Like, uh, that's, that's, that's an a, RB2 in a lot of, in a lot right. of cases. I yeah. mean, you look at Sanders. Sanders is getting close to 50, well, anywhere between 12 to 15 touches a game right now. That's the same workload that freaking, um, not Carter, um, Pollard's getting. Like, that's... Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of these guys just got, I don't know. The Arby's position is so tough this year. So very tough. There's just not much there. There's no meat on that bone at all. No, it's slim pickings for sure. Booker, I mean, for anybody, if he's on the waiver wire, I'm going to take a shot at him. Just because he's going to get volume, there isn't many other people there to go take a shot at. And if you're Arby needy, great. He's going to give you probably anywhere from 15 to 20 touches a game because there's not really anybody else after him. Um, so as a volume play, he might be okay. Yeah, exactly. And two things you look at is talent and opportunity. As long as Barkley's out, he's going to get all the opportunity. Plenty of opportunity. So. Is the talent there? Eh. Yeah, it's very hard, debatable. Highly debatable. I mean, he's he's been serviceable, but I, I don't expect any big high fantasy production out of him week to week. That's just not what he is. Um, But again... Just a tough position. Again, and then we talked talked on um, Carson a little earlier, and like we said, he was out this week. He was a game time decision, and but he's got a neck injury, so it's one of those things that it could be weird. I mean, he could be he could be out anywhere between God knows three weeks, and depending on how it lingers, and he could get a stinger and right be right back out. And it's one of those things that if you are a Carson owner, you probably should be handcuffing him with Alex Collins at this point. Um, Collins, again, didn't have a great day fantasy-wise, but he got all the work. He had 15 touches, 74 yards. 
74 yards. He caught two out of three passes for another 25 yards. Like that's the workload's there. You have to, you can't ignore that. You have to put some attention to it. Yeah, and I forget the exact injury um, that Carson got. I know it is a neck injury, but I remember hearing something about it being. It's one of those things that kind of flares up and then sits down after a little bit. So it's one of those that's always going to be there, at least for a while. So you're going to end up having these days where you have a chronic flare up and then all of a sudden Carson can't play or he's going to be out for some period of time. So next man up, it's Alex Collins. Um, Looking at their schedule, you have Pittsburgh, New Orleans, Jacksonville. So a little bit of tough sledding, but that Jacksonville game is going to be great if Carson sits out. Yeah, I I would be surprised if Carson. Carson's not back by before that Jacksonville game. Um, again, he was a game time decision this week. So if he's saying if they're saying that, that means he was close. Yeah. So I'm banking that he's probably going to play this week. So I'm not going to go spend crazy fab or my first wave of claim on Alex Collins at all, anything like that. But if he's there, you can get him cheap or late. Yeah, I would take a shot at it just to be safe. Again, like we said, the running back position is so thin. It's so so thin. So. Any of these guys that pop up at this point, you, you got to at least take a swing on. Agreed. Um, so, again, let's cons- consider down this rabbit hole of injured running backs. You got Darrell Williams. Next man up for CEH. Next man up. Will he be usable? I don't know. I, I really don't know with this. CEH has been all over the place at this point, and it seems like it's kind of game script dependent on how much they're using him. Um, None of the backs yesterday were really getting any real kind of volume. Um, and they were trailing most of that game, too. And that's too. my point. And, but it seems like a lot of these games are much closer than what they have been for the Chiefs in the last couple of years. And in that, we have seen a little more volume for CEH, and that could be great. And if Darrell Williams gets that volume, it could be, that could be beneficial for him. Um, again, it's always a high... High-powered offense. They will have plenty of opportunities to score, so they end up on the one-yard line. Williams very well could be stealing touchdowns at that point. Not like Mahomes runs a ton in. So, again, another guy that you kind of got to pick up, and maybe you you get a rental player for two weeks, three weeks if you're lucky. Um, But, again, not a guy I'm spending a lot of fab on, not a guy that I'm spending a lot of um, high waiver claim on, nothing of that sort. Yeah, it's going to be tough. This week is, is tough when it comes to running backs. Um, but, again, if you're struggling a little bit, you got to kind of pick up who you can. And looking at the Chiefs' upcoming schedule, you have Washington, Tennessee, the Giants. Uh, those are the next three games. So I would think there's going to be a lot more positive game script for the Chiefs, so that could mean a lot more running opportunities for Darrell Williams and company. Um it's probably going to be another committee situation. McKinnon seems to always get a few snaps, but I think if you end up with Kansas City looking more dominant as they usually are as opposed to what they were last night, you could have a lot more positive game script, a lot more running the ball, a lot more opportunity for these running backs. Yeah, I agree with that. That's that's a good way to put it. Um, I'm not worried about McKinnon one bit, though. Not even a little bit. No, it, he, it's, it comes down to just getting snaps. I, I'm pretty sure he got his first snap of the year this week. Was it really? I think it was. Oof. Like, um, maybe not his first snap, but at least his first touch, because I don't think he's even seen the ball before this week. That, uh, that I'm with you on. I have seen him on the field a few times, but as far as him getting the ball, it doesn't get the ball a ton. No. It, it comes down to, sna- to snap share at that point, and that's what's tough about the backfield. Yeah, so I'm I'm much more confident in Darrell Williams than I am McKinnon. That's... 
not even close for me. Um, but again, not a guy I'm spending a lot of fab or waiver claim on or anything crazy like that. Because again, it's only a short rental. Yeah, agreed. Um, so we've got two other backfields that we got to go through here, and I guess one's easier than the other. Um, the one you really got to pay attention to at this point is Michael Carter and the Jets. Um, this backfield started off as a complete timeshare. It started off as Coleman was going to be the leader. Um, and then it looked like Ty Johnson was taking over at one point. But at this point, it is completely Carter. Carter is dominating the touches. Carter is dominating the snap share. Um, he's getting a decent amount of volume. Again, like we said with Pollard, a lot of these guys for a starting role are getting anywhere between 10 to 15 touches. And that's exactly where Carter is. Carter this week saw 10 carries, 38 yards, touchdown, three more catches. For 20 yards and any of these games that he's going to get positive game script or a close game script he's going to get touches they, they like using him he seems like he's been explosive for them um he's very shifty he's great in space it seems like and this is the second week in a row he scored a touchdown um he ran and he's only owned in 54 percent of leagues that's a big number like for, to have a starting running back a solid i mean i shouldn't say solid but he's a running back that's guaranteeing touches at this point. He's trending. He should in the be right owned direction. everywhere. Yeah, he's he's trending in the right direction, and that's what you like to see. I think that as the season goes on, especially with a lot of these rookies, you're going to start seeing that transition coming over. Javante Williams is another one that I expect to start to eventually take over that backfield. Um, they just they start off slow, and you you need to kind of get up to NFL speed as opposed to college. You still have to learn playbook, pass protection, all that good stuff. Um, but the thing for Michael Carter is he's the best athlete in the backfield. Oh, by and, far. And that's the thing that I think is going to end up winning out overall. Um, like you said, it's one of those, you know, you can see his snap share coming up week over week. Uh, so right now he's around that 50% range, but it's trending up and that's what exactly you want to see. Um, it's tough because the, the jets offense doesn't look exactly great. Zach will Zach Wilson's not doing a ton as far as um, either first quarter production or really total game production i know they've been off to a lot of slow starts um but you kind of hope that he kind of settles in as well as another rookie and starts to see the field a little bit better and lead to more scoring opportunities sure and i think this is kind of why everybody was a little nervous on carter coming into the year because we knew that the jets were going to be bad right yep so seeing that seeing that they're starting to seem like they're coming on a little bit i mean they're still not a good team don't get me wrong at all there they're not a good team um they're probably bottom three of the league, if I had to guess at this point. Um, but it, it's one of those things, again, the running back position sucks this year. I, yeah. I'm going to say it 15 times in this episode. I can feel it. Yeah. <laughs> but the running back position sucks this year. So if you're getting guys that are getting guaranteed touches, they're worth piles at this oh, point. Absolutely. I would be putting my a waiver claim in for Carter everywhere I can if, I, if he was there. Absolutely. And just as a bench stash. Even if he sits on the bottom of your bench and does nothing for you, you never play him. He's still an RB1 for that team that's going to get those touches. Yeah, and he's he probably needs the to most... be owned a lot more than he is. Yeah, he's probably the most talented guy that we've talked about to this point. Oh, absolutely. He's the best back on this cl- on this waiver wire at list at this point. And I mean, I mean, it shows he's owned in 54% of leagues, but most of these guys aren't owned in anything or they're below 20%. But it should be... 70 80 percent at this point yeah. it's worth at least checking to see if he's available absolutely because like i said on he's owned in 54 percent of yahoo right that's what we're using for this benchmark we're using yahoo so majority of leagues he's there go get him guys 
Go win the league. Go get him. Go get him. Depth is key. Go get him, Tiger. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. So, I guess the other quick one we should mention here, um, with Russ going down, Gino, you should probably look at him. And I'm sorry, I completely spaced out the conversation that we were supposed to have. Um, Chicago's backfield. Chicago's backfield. Um, Give me your thoughts on that, because... It's a I'm very a forgettable backfield, apparently. No, it really is. <laughs> um, I think a lot of people dumped their fab and their waiver claim last week on Damian Williams um, with the expectation that he was going to get pretty much the, the lion's share of the work. Um, and you, you knew Monty was going to be out for an extended period of time. I think he was placed on IR, if I'm not mistaken. So He was. Um, yeah, so you know he's going to be out for at least a few weeks. Um, but it's... It's going to be interesting because Khalil Herbert got a good amount of touches. Um, I think he got 18, I think it was. They were all carries, no targets or anything like that. Um, but the Bears were also up for the majority of the game, so I think game script kind of played a lot into that. I think Damian is still the the more complete running back in terms of how they use him. So when you look at a, a touch, you know, a touch per touch basis, a target is worth more than a rush. So in these PPR leagues, you want to target the guys who are actually getting the targets. And Herbert, unfortunately, hasn't shown us that he's going to be getting any targets as of yet. The whole team I have problems with just because of how Justin Fields gets used. Um, but it, I guess it's one of those kind of slow start kind of things. Open up the offense a little bit more, maybe as they get fields acclimated now that he's the official starter going forward. They'll open up the offense a little bit more because the offense in general is kind of struggling. We see Allen Robinson struggling a lot as well. So I think going forward, Damian Williams is the guy to have Herbert's a guy to keep an eye on if he starts getting targets. So this is a tough one for me because they had exactly the same amount of touches. They both had, 18 touches. Granted, you're right. Damian did have two catches, 16 carries, where Herbert had 18 carries. I kind of feel, and again, it's too early to say for sure, but my gut is telling me that this is going to be completely split backfield between the two of them. If you look at the snap share, Herbert actually out-snapped, out-snapped Damian 53% to 48. 48? Yeah, I 48%. Got 48. Yep. Okay. So, in that sense, you got to look at that and go, okay, so Herbert was on the field more than, than Williams was. But Williams was getting the more valuable touches at the same time. Um, for redraft, yeah. I mean, Williams is owned in 79% of leagues right now, but when you flip it and go look at Herbert and he's owned in 19, those numbers probably should come up because odds are they're both going to get valuable touches. Um probably going to be whoever gets hot that week if I had to guess because like you're saying Fields is struggling that whole passing attack is struggling that offense is the ground game right now so I'm going to guess that both of them are going to get valuable touches both of them are going to be in that in that 10 to 15 range every week I don't see one guy running away and getting more touches or anything being more or less involved at this point um, they both average about four yards a carry they both played very well so until one of them separates themselves, I, I have a feeling that it's just going to be a committee. Yeah, and just as a little side note to Dynasty uh, players out there, 
Herbert was one of those guys that was like a third or fourth round pick, or in a lot of cases, he went undrafted in rookie drafts. So he's worth at least a, a stash oh, uh, at the end of your bench at, you know, if you go through your ra- your waivers and whatnot. So he's worth having just as that on the end of your bench. I didn't expect him to get used as much as he did, um, but I do like the player. So it'll be interesting if he kind of cements himself a little bit in terms of getting some kind of role, even when Monty comes back. We'll, we'll have to pay attention to that and see how it goes. But at least for now, um, he's a guy you can basically get for free. So you might as well. So the other interesting thing to say here, too, when you start looking at these guys is Tariq Cohen's on the pup list. If I'm correct, that puts him back after week six. I haven't heard a word about him, though. That's the thing that's concerning is that we haven't heard a word, not a thing. That he hasn't started practicing. Has he done that? We have no idea. We haven't heard a goddamn thing. Yeah. And I guess that can go both ways is that we haven't heard anything negative at the same time. So... I don't know. I like I, I don't I'd have to look a little more into those rules. Like is he eligible to start practicing till after week six? Like the, how does I don't know how that works exactly, do you? I think it's one of those things where we would have heard at least by now if he was even doing like individual drills and stuff off to the side, which I think he's allowed to do. So I think he was all along though. I think coming into camp he was doing individual drills. Again, I'd have to go back and double check it. And I don't even know if those records would be there at, at this point. Um, but I think at one point he was practicing again. And I think they put him there because he wasn't ready. So I don't know if it's just something that he hasn't. They just aren't saying anything because he's progressing well and they can't do anything with him. Yeah. Or if it's just uh, he's still a mess. I don't, I don't yeah. know. It's weird. Like I feel like in the day and age now where we get news every minute. Right. Basically on we, players. If somebody farts, we get a fucking notification. Right. If, uh, like, it's it's ridiculous. It's unreal and it's unnecessary. But yeah. you're right. We hear every last thing that somebody does at this point. Yeah, and that's the world that we live in. And for to not hear anything about a player, to me, at least, I'm a little bit more concerned. Never mind you add in the fact that now it's essentially a whole new offense with Fields there instead of uh, Dalton. So... You know, you kind of have to carve out a role for him. I know they've been going back and forth as far as the play caller goes between um, Nagy and the other guy. I can't think of his name right now. But um, I know they've flip-flop play calling duties. So it's it's a mess. And I don't know where Cohen will end up fitting once this is all said and done. Yeah, so I'm on the, I'm on the side that Cohen's going to have a role whenever he does come back. Um, they've paid him a decent amount of money. He just got a new contract, if I remember correctly, last year. Yep. Um, so they've got him on contract for a little while, and he's just so dynamic in the passing game that you kind of got to use him. And again, yet there's a correlation between rushing quarterbacks and checking down and all that good stuff. But at this point, if he came out, he would be your most dynamic weapon as a running back. So I would think that he would be involved. Yeah, and I agree with you. They. They paid him the money, so the smart thing is once he becomes available, you have to use him. You might as well put your money to work. Right. I'm with you on that. Um, I just it's so weird to me to not hear anything. I almost feel like it's No, like it's definitely something to not. monitor at this point. It's not something to react to or get crazy about, but it's definitely something to monitor. Um, especially if you're investing into these guys like Herbert or Williams, because at any moment he could come in and ruin their value. Sure. And that's kind of where I wanted to leave that. No, that makes sense. That's a good assessment, I think. Perfect. Glad we agree. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Where's Tim when we need a good argument? 
No, listen, this is this is going <laughs> swell, all right? This- at this point, you two would be screaming at each other, so we, we need something. What do we what? need? What do we are disagreeing on these days? What is it? Give me something. I don't know. Like, worried about Tyson Williams. I got Tim offering, making me offers for Tyson Williams, a guy who supposedly hasn't even, you know, he wasn't going to be the starter or anything. Now he wants him. I don't know. It's weird. I mean, in Tim's defense, he did end up being right on that one. He did eventually become the starter, but it's not a good start, that I'll say. He's the... Tyson's the most efficient running back they have right now, but for whatever reason, they just decide not to use him. I don't know. We'll have, we'll have to see what happens tonight. And if Tim was here, because he'd say, he's just a guy. He's not that good. Yeah, probably. But hey, we'll see. Murray's a better back. <laughs> As uh, Tyson's averaging like five, six yards a carry to Murray's like three. Yeah. Who did they play last week, though? I don't remember. Uh, Denver. This is like yeah, ever no. since Murray's been getting carries. Yeah, it's put it this though. way: Baltimore had to run an extra play just so they could reach a hundred yards rushing last week. They didn't; they couldn't kneel it out. So yeah, they but had Murray to... didn't get a ton of touches last week, if I remember correctly. I think he only had like thirteen or something like that. So um, it wasn't like they used him a ton either. Yeah, I'd have to double check. Eighteen touches. Oh, he did have eighteen touches, and he For had what? three point two per carry. Or 3.3 if you want to round it. Yeah, that's not a fantastic day. Not great. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see what happens tonight. That's it. That's the only thing I could say to that one. Yeah. But. You got any more waivers? I don't know. Yeah, we got a couple more waivers. We haven't even My computer died out on me, so. Ah, Jesus. Sorry. All right, so I'm running this off. Look at me. I like it. You're quarterbacking. I don't like it. I like the power. (laughs) I like the power. This is great. (laughs) Oh, man. All right, so. Let's just rattle this off quick, because these guys are kind of just guys at this point you probably should be paying attention to. They all should be owned in more leagues. Um, and then we've got one guy, two guys here that are interesting. Um, Hunter Renfro, he's finished every week double digits. At this point, he should be owned. He's the most consistent receiver in, in that offense. But even with Waller, he's, more, he's been more consistent. Yeah, he's been very consistent. Um, yeah. You need to add him. He went six for eight this week for 56 yards. And again, not a sexy stat line, but it's still 11 points. Yeah, he's, that's he's, a great flex play. He's not the guy that you're going to look for to win a week. You know, he's not going to give you that kind of upside. But if you need something with a stable floor, all for it. Next guy, we've been pounding this guy for the last three weeks. Tim Patrick. You might want to rephrase that a little bit. That that, that, <laughs> that didn't come out quite right. Nope. I'm Unless you have something else going on the side, I don't judge. Nope, I'm it's sticking what, with my words. We're pounding out Tim Patrick. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know who's we because I'm not in that I, conversation. Oh, you're in this conversation. Right, you're I'm part of this leave conversation. I'm going to leave the chat at this point. I'm going to head out. No. But on another on another note, he's this week he went seven for nine, 84, 89 yards, fifteen points. Man's only owned in thirty one percent of leagues. It's just him and Sutton at this point. I don't understand what people don't like. It's been two years of him just being consistently productive. And you have Teddy back now, too, so it's a little bit more stable quarterback play than what you had with Drew Locke. So, I, yeah, I don't know. What did we miss? A halfway? Well, of Teddy, like, it's... They're, they're productive. You just gotta get him. Like, I don't understand what, what there isn't not like about him. He's a free flex play with, a, with wide receiver two upside at this point. Go get him, guys. Again, go get him. <laughs> Don't pound him to go go get him. Yeah, whatever you need. We don't judge here. We don't judge here. <laughs> All right, fair enough. But um, so we got two other guys left on this list. Um, Monte Brown. This he has had two very solid back-to-back weeks uh, with eight targets each week. He's only owned in three percent of leagues this, at this point, and this week he went seven of eight for sixty-five yards. He's been the number one wide receiver the last two weeks. 
it's one of those where Detroit is down every week. No, that, and that's I thought it was going to be Hawkinson more, but Hawkinson's battling with a knee and obviously getting all the coverage, so he's struggling a little bit. So that's opening up plenty for uh, Amon St. Brown. Yeah. Amon uh, Ross St. Brown, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Put some respect on his name. name. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, he was one of those guys that he was a very refri- refined slot guy coming out of college. Yep. Um, so the talent was always there. It's just where is he going to settle in on this offense? And they're going to, like we said, going to be playing catch up pretty much any every game. If Hawkinson and the running back is going to be banged up a little bit, Jared Goff's going to have to start looking at other guys. Khalif Raymond's in there. Amon Ra's in there. Uh, Quintez Cephas has a couple games where he was doing Cephas pretty well. Cephas just went out, I think, on IR this week. Oh, so there you go. So more opportunities for Amon Ra, I believe. So, yeah, it's one of those, again, another slot guy that you could probably get 10 to 15 points out of every week. Probably not going to have a huge week just because of the position and the player that he is, but if you need that stable floor, he's there for you. Yeah, so they haven't put Cephas on IR yet, um, but the report is that he's likely to miss the rest of the year with a broken collarbone. Oh, I missed that. Yep. Okay, wow. That happened yesterday. Oh, jeez. So. Stop getting they, hurt. <laughs> yeah, that was when we missed in our little injury breakdown there, but I don't know if he qualifies as a big name yet. But it does break up and kind of shift the, the receiving court there in uh, Detroit. So I'm on, I'm on Raw, St. Brown. I feel like I should be in Egypt or something with the Raw. I got to be yeah. honest. That whole family's pretty much like that. Yeah. yeah. Crazy name. Crazy, crazy name. But I would. he's worth a pickup. He's worth a late pickup. He definitely could be a flex play. Somebody's got to catch the pass, catch the ball in Detroit. Why not him? There you go. Why not? Why not? Um. So the last guy on our list is kind of interesting to me, and it's one of those that I'm not totally sold on yet. Um. But there's a lot of potential here for this one, and that's Dan Arnold. Um, he's being used. I mean, this is his first week there, and he went six, six of eight for 64 yards. He did have a fumble, which kind of hurt his fantasy day a little bit. But any tight end that's going to see eight targets, I'm all aboard on. Yeah, and I found it interesting that when they made the trade, it was, I believe, early on in the week. And they had the Thursday game last week against He instantly Cincinnati. came in and was used. Instantly came on the field, was used, and used... Pretty good. Um, I don't remember the exact. He only had two catches, but he and I don't think he had a ton of snaps. I think he played thirty percent of the snaps or something like that last week. But he jumped up this week to seventy three percent of the snaps. Yeah, and that's that's a big thing. The fact that they decided to target him in the trade for you know I know they moved on from C.J. Henderson, who was a first round corner by the way. Him and a third for C.J. Henderson seemed like a steal. Yeah, but if he's going to be a solid safety blanket for Lawrence. He can be super valuable. And that's the thing. Once you have DJ Chark out for the, the year now with the broken ankle, um, Chenault, Chenault's a ghost at this point. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of nothing sort of what we used. thought he was going to be. Nothing like we thought. Exactly. You don't, you have ETN that's been out, you know, is out for the year. Sure. Marvin Jones hasn't taken a huge step that maybe a lot of people thought he was going to. I know I was one of those people. Why not Dan Arnold at this point? Somebody's got, again, this is one of those things that somebody's got to catch the ball. And he needs a safe option that he can rely on to, just to kind of move the chains. And if it's Dan Arnold, wheels up, boys. That's it. Wheels up. Tight end is a, a tough position to come by. Um, if you don't have a Kelsey or a Waller, um, a Waller Kittle's out on IR now. Kittle's so, on IR. You know, a lot. It kind of becomes a shit show after that point. You have Dawson Knox who's starting to come on a little bit, but Dawson he's, Knox is going to be this year's 
Oh, Tanyan, I think. I think so. Well, it's he's starting to look like that. He's very touchdown dependent, and that's exactly kind of the role that Tanyan played last year. I don't, I don't even know if I would put him at touchdown dependent at this point because he's getting these, these monster yardage, and he's having big yard seasons. But, it, again, it's on big it's plays. Spot. It's spot. Yeah. So it's, it's tough. And he did have a couple. I think he started the year off with, like, two or three games of, of like, 30 yards or something like that, if I'm remembering correctly. And then the last two games for Knox, I think he went about 70, and then he obviously had the monster week this week with over 100. Um, yeah, so the Houston game, he had eight targets. Other than that, he's been averaging, like, four targets a game. Sure. Last night, he had three catches for 117 yards and a touchdown, which is great. You know, yeah. it's great fantasy day, but it's, again, kind of one of those things where now he has one, two, three, four, five touchdowns on the year. And last yes, four games in a like row. He's going to be super efficient and score a lot of touchdowns. Yeah. So, I mean, it's always good when you have Josh Allen as your quarterback. I, you know, I'm not going to discredit that. Um, but just keep that in mind. If he's not scoring a touchdown, then it's a tough day for him. Dan Arnold is definitely somebody dynasty leagues I'm picking up everywhere. Um, redraft, I'm gonna pay attention to him. I don't know if I would be running out to grab him this year, cutting any high valuable players for him yet. But as a streamer, he's definitely something that I'm gonna pay attention to and see what happens with him in the next week or so, because he very well could become a solid option. If you're a Kittle owner and you can put oh, him in an IR spot, grab. he's absolutely worth a grab. He's yeah. probably more worthwhile than Ross Dwelly. Ross Dwelly didn't do anything last week no absolutely not yeah, so um it's not like you want to get the next man up for for san fran go out and get dan arnold i love it so that pretty much breaks down our waiver wireless for this week so i'm glad we got through that this week that was nice we got that through painless, that quick. right that was that was efficient yeah see we're all about efficiency right now exactly all right so let's get into the topic of the week we are now five games in and we're starting to see some teams separate. We're starting to see some teams fall. Some teams kind of stuck in the middle. Some teams battling with injuries. We've seen a variety of things at this point, And everybody's team's in a different spot. Agreed? Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. So this is kind of a topic that I think you're a little passionate about. So I'm going to let you start this one off and tell me what your thoughts are. And I think you're looking at it more from a dynasty perspective, if I'm, I'm correct. And if you are a winning team and if you're a losing team, kind of give me your ideas here. Yeah, and just kind of as a, a full disclaimer, it's it's tough in redraft because you. I think either way, you kind of have to look at what if you have a winning record, why is that? If you have a losing record, why is that? You know, I'm a big fan of looking at your your points for your total points for to see kind of where you stand within the league. Um, if you have Either you're in here two and three now or three and two, and but you have one of the highest points for in the league, then maybe it's just a couple start sit decisions that didn't go your way. Sure. Um, so you don't really have to do too too much in terms of changing up your roster at all. Um if you know you just had a horrible draft, you know, from a redraft team and you're 0 and five or one and four, then there's only so much you can really do about that. There's only so many pieces you can really move. Unless you have maybe like a, a stud and just the rest of your roster is crap, maybe you can move that stud for some pieces and maybe try and make some noise there. As far as dynasty goes, though, you get a lot more fluidity with when we're talking about rookie picks, um, taxi squad players, and just deeper benches in general. So there's a lot more room for roster manipulation as far as that goes. Um, a lot of these contending teams, you start to look at it and say, okay. I need to make a move for another running back. Um, 
you can start to look at those teams that they're not looking so great, um, but they have a couple good running backs that maybe you can pull off them. Say, hey, you know, I'm interested in Kareem Hunt, for example. Good piece, good flex play with, you know, RB2, RB1 upside type, you know, weeks. Um, but you're not looking so great. Let me, you know, throw you this player in a pick or something like that. So that way to help you kind of go into the next year, but also help that contending team kind of push them over the, over the top. Um, certain things like that I'd be looking at at this point in the season. Um, maybe you just had Russ go down and say, okay, I need to make a move for, I don't know, a Sam Darnold or something like that, where maybe you can move a first round pick. Um, to help stabilize your team and kind of keep your team afloat for the time that Russ is out, especially in those super flex leagues where quarterbacks are really hard to come by. They're pretty much impossible on the waiver wire. Um, that's when you start to kind of make those moves and become a little bit more fluid with your roster. So that's a good way to start this conversation. So I'm going to start from a redraft perspective. And for me, I get what you're saying with the max points for that is a good indication of what your team is, and what it, how well it's performing. But at the same time, I tend to shy away from that as when I'm evaluating it. It's one piece of the puzzle for me. For me, I'm looking at, one, where do I stand? If I'm 0-5, okay, maybe it's time for a big shakeup and I got to do, do something crazy. Sell off my number one pick, go do something like that. Like you're saying, go get some depth. Absolutely. If I'm 1-4 and four and the guy in first place is 4-2, and two, I'm not panicking yet. I'm not panicking yet because realistically that means that in a 10-team league, that sixth spot that you're trying to reach for is probably only a game out, maybe two at most. But even then, that, that's it's not that far, and it's a very long season, and it's an extra long season this year at the same time. So you've got a little bit more time to kind of make things up. So for these people that are at the bottom, and I'm not to- totally panicking yet. Hold your brakes, evaluate your team. See what, how far it is, what the realistic projections that you need to get to to, to kind of just make the playoffs. Because, again, in redraft, teams aren't that deep. There's going to be fluidity. There's going to be people that get dropped as bye week start this week. There's going to be things that like that that are going to happen. And that's the things you need to pay attention to. Because, again, bye week start this week. So there's mm-hmm. going to be people that people cannot hold on to because Kenny G got hurt and they need a flex play, so they got to cut him right now. Or, they, or whoever it may be, they can't. They don't want to hold on to Russ for the four to six weeks or whatever it may be, so they cut him and go pick up a guy like Sam Donald at the same time. So there's gonna be players like that that you can cut, that you can be able to pick up and kind of stash at the same time. And then again, this goes for the same thing as a as a contender. These guys that are gonna be looking to sell off these high end pieces, and you have some depth on your roster. Give them the depth, scoop them up, and go get these studs because at this point you've got you've got a little bit of a cushion. Make a run. See what you can do. If you can get way ahead and guarantee you're in a top spot and get these softer matchups, it's worth selling off that extra wide receiver that you have stuck in your bench to go get one of these stud wide receivers or whatever it may be. And again, this has been a weird year where the top 10 wide receivers are made up of guys that we never expected to be there. And the guys that we were expecting really aren't there. I mean, you look at guys like... Uh, Hopkins or Diggs or any of these guys like that that we thought were sure things, they're not. They're just not there this year. And it's hurting a lot of people. So it's it's one of those things that it's like, okay, 
How do we evaluate this? Like I said, let's look first look at your roster, see where you're going. I get what you're saying. Let's look at your max points for. That kind of gives you an idea of if your team's any good at all. But then again, now you got to look at, okay, look at everybody else's roster. What's everybody else's roster? Does it feel like everybody else's any better or any worse than I am? Do you feel like your team can compete with the roster buildup? You could, are you deep at running back and you can afford to move on for one of these guys? You need to be looking at stuff like this where you can kind of take advantage of the market. Or if you're set at a position, maybe you take a risk and you, you sell off a guy and get a little guy that's a little bit riskier to get a better position in that sense. These are all things that you could be looking at to benefit your team um, on either side as a winner or a contender because everybody's obviously trying to make that next step and try to get a little bit better and, and find that next thing that's going to give them the edge and separate themselves from everybody else or put them in the mix of that at the same argument. You know what I mean? Yeah, with with redraft, I'll definitely say, I mean, there's no reason to try and hold off into next year unless you start talking about keeper picks and stuff like right. that. It gets and more that, complicated. That gets a little more complicated, and a lot of times it's, uh, it gets, becomes a tough conversation. And again, I wouldn't even be looking at what your keepers are going to be next year because at any moment this could blow up and you may not want that guy next year. So yeah, things could you change. should be playing for one year at a time when if it's redraft or a keeper league, no matter what. Yeah, redraft, I mean, you might as well go balls to the wall anyway because you're going to end up with a whole new roster next year anyway. So it's one of those, just do what you can to get into the dance, like you were saying before. Right. Try and be that top Anything six. can happen. Yeah, anything can happen at that point. Um, you get a little bit more nuance when it comes to Dynasty, and you have to really evaluate your roster. And I know for me personally, if it's one of those where, you know what, I'm not real, you know, I don't have a good record. Uh, my points aren't super high. I'm not really contending in a lot of these weeks all right let me start shopping some of these players and you know kind of pack it up and start to look for next year and really build upon next year and try and get ahead of everybody else if i have a really strong record and my points for is either in the middle of the pack or it's really up there guess what i'm gonna okay what do i have to do to get that next piece what picks do i have to move to get that next piece to really put me over the top what depth do i have to fill in to really establish myself as a strong player coming come playoff time. And that's kind of how I would look at it. So I get what you're saying. It really depends on, again, you got to look at your league before you make any of these decisions. And for me, even in Dynasty, you got to look at what the rest of the league makeup is. And I, I always go back to our home league, and this is kind of the easiest scenario, where we have three teams that are truly... Win now, all in, bought as many of the older players that they possibly could that they think are going to put them in contention, and odds are they are in contention. And that's fine. And I was, again, like we talked about in the, in the, in the trade episode, I was kind of on that cusp where I didn't think I was really a true contender, but I, but I kind of in that 4, 5, maybe 6 range, depending on how the week fell out. So for me, if you're a contender... And you think you get a real shot at it? Sell off. Sell your picks. Sell whatever it needs to be. Go buy these guys. Put yourself ahead. That's the easiest. That's odds are. That makes perfect sense. No arguments there. But as a guy that's on the cusp or at the bottom, you gotta. I think it. it you gotta sell off, but you gotta sell off strategically. And it's not just okay. I've got Molary Curly and these guys agree and whatever it may be. So let me just sell them all for picks. I think that you got to go about it a little differently. And I think this is where a lot of people make mistakes. 
I think that if you're going to sell off pieces, I think that you have to look at it as a transfer of points. And I think that's the best way to put it. So, again, I look at Dynasty in two-year windows. Do I think in the next two years, if I take this player and I trade it for these players or whatever it may be, a player and a, and a potential pick, do I think that it's going to put me in a position where I can be back in contention and competing in the next two years? And that's how I look at this, and that's how I look at when I make these trades. Mm -hmm. So am I willing to take a small bump, like we talked about with my trade with, with um, Kelsey for Hawkinson and DJ Moore? Will I take a small bump down to get a, get a player? Yes. So I, like we said, I took these older players and, D, and Kelsey and Kenny Galladay. I probably lost points per week at the end of the year when it comes down to it. But in the next two years, I now have two younger assets that are probably going to outproduce these two players in the long run. And then added another asset and took a shot at Brian Edwards to add some depth to this roster. Again, getting younger, but transferring points. Where it's, I think at the end of the year, these, it'll be almost balanced out. Yeah. And that's kind of my point here is that, okay, I'm selling it off to add on and find more depth and find things that are going to be lasting or then I can go on and add another piece, and I have the time to get to that point where I can add another piece and still build on it. And that's, I think that's the important part. It's not just to sell off to sell off, because you can add, you could buy every first-round pick next year, and that's great. But every first-round pick next year isn't going to put you in contention at any time soon. It's still going to put you two, three years out before, you, before these guys are in positions where they're probably going to perform at high levels. So, if you're willing to wait three, four years before you're, well, you're really competing, that's great. But I think that's too far because at any moment, like we're seeing with Dobbins, we're seeing with, with Acres, that they could get hurt and it means nothing. And then you're still just trying to rebuild and selling pieces. And I think that's kind of where the, maybe the misconception kind of comes in. Because think of picks like universal currency. A player is just a player. A pick is a pick. Or a player. You can kind of use it as either or. Um, a good example is I had the 101 in another league. And that got moved for the 103. Uh, Kareem Hunt. And I think of a 23 first or something like that. Yes. Everybody associates the 101 as Trevor yes. Lawrence. But now I turn Trevor Lawrence into Trey Lance, Kareem Hunt, and a 23 first. Um, now, I'm always of the thought picks always accumulate in value the closer and closer you get to draft day. And that I agree with. Um, now, and in the offseason, are probably the two cheapest times where you can actually accrue picks if you're trying to accrue picks. Because you have those place, those people that are in contention and they say, oh, I just need this one player. Um, you know what? It's going to be a late first anyway. I'm fine with parting with it. Okay, no problem. Here you go. So now I just got another first. Maybe that does end up being a late first, and that person does end up contending. I don't know. It could happen. Or they end up with more injuries or whatever the case is. Now you're looking at maybe a mid first or something like that. So you instantly just gain more value. Sure. And now as you get closer and closer to draft day, you start putting names to those picks, and everybody starts falling in love with the Zach Wilsons, Trevor Lawrence's, Trey Lance's of the world. Now you're in the driver's seat and say, okay, what do you want for um what are you willing to give me for this pick? What veterans can you give me for this pick? And I just instantly flip my team just like that. No, absolutely. And, and, that's, and that is a good way to put it. And you've got to take 
advantage of the market is a good way to put that too. Because I think the perfect example this year was Pitts. Everybody was looking at Pitts as he was going to go in the top five. Yep. Most likely top three. And kind of seemed to be whatever that happened. And I agree. If you can leverage that and you can take these players and move them, that's fine. But you need to understand that at some point, taking every young player isn't always the best strategy. And it is a point that you need to be able to work and be fluid where you can leverage the market and get the most for these picks. Absolutely. Because if you're just collecting picks to collect picks, I think is my point, it's pointless. Yeah, no, and I absolutely agree with you on that. And a lot of like my rebuilding teams, I don't plan on using all of the picks on just rookies. You sure. accumulate the picks to use some as rookies as you see fit and then trade others for, yes. for veteran players. That's one of the things that I'm finding with Dynasty is there's so much. It's a lot more of a chess game where you can kind of do a lot more than you ever could with like redraft or something like that. Um, that's where you end up seeing just a lot of different types of roster construction, a lot of more. And it really does do. come down to mentality. I'm in the type of person I'm impatient. I don't want to waste. Oh, a we year. know. I don't want to wait a year. I don't want to wait a week. I don't want to do nothing. You don't want to wait five minutes. No, I don't want to wait at all. I want my results and I want them now. I am a true millennial and I will own that to the day I die and I don't care. I don't want to wait. So I'm not making a move that's going to take me completely out of contention for the year. I'll take the shot at being the five, six seed and see what happens because, again, it's fantasy and every week something can change. So if I can get in, I'm going to get in and we'll see what happens. And next year, if I got to sell off and buy some more players, I'm all for it. And that's fine. And that's perfectly fine. And I could go the opposite way, and I could get extremely hurt. And guess what? Now I got, uh, now I'll take, be fluid at that point and sell some pieces off, and that's great. But it's one of those. I'm in the mindset that I want to be at least in competitive. I don't want to be just throwing years away just to throw years away. Um, but again, if you're that type of person that's willing to do that, and it seems like that you are, because you went into a year with the, with a productive struggle, and that's fine, and that's that was your take on it, and that's what you want to do, and all the power to you not what i would ever do yeah and that, that's something but, i want to and that's the fun part because we went into that league and that was the startup league that we did together and we went into that completely opposite if you went give up everything and get super young and collect as many picks as you can and i went i'm gonna sell off future picks right off the back and try to build as much of a superpower team but a young superpower team as i possibly could and it was very interesting to see how that draft went because we had very different ideas going in and ended up in very different spots right now. And that's kind of the interesting part because you need one to have the other. Yeah. You need it, a buyer I think, to have... What did we a... make? Two trades in the, in the draft at that point? Yeah. I, I think it was like two startup trades and there was a lot of rookie picks involved and startup picks involved. And so... even since then, we've made one or two more trades after that too. Yeah, exactly. And and kind of... I'm okay with selling picks off butting me in the ass right now because I'm getting injuries up the ass, but... That's a whole other discussion for another day. But at the same time, my team's still young where I'm going to come back next year and I'm not going to need anybody because I've got so much depth of young players. Yeah. So it's, it's I don't know, it's one of those weird situations that you got to be ready to, you got to be able to stomach it, I guess. And that's, that's a good point because <clears throat> when you talk about like a productive struggle team, for example, I have two. I'm in six Dynasty Leagues, something like that. So the rest are contenders. Sure. It's not like... I wanted to just do a bunch of productive struggles just because I I was I had enough contending teams. So I said, you know what? Let me try this productive struggle just to try and see it, how it would work and kind of see if it really pays off. Some people do it. Why not? Let's give it a try and sure. kind of see how it goes. And that also depends on the startup draft, too. If you have a lot of people starting to trade up, 
okay, take advantage of it and start accumulating other assets. Um, but it definitely takes, you have to swallow your pride and, you know, stomach that you're not going to win for at least a year or two and just go about it that way. What I will say is it's very good in the sense that I don't have to worry about lineup decisions. I'm over here worrying <laughs> about teams beating me when I'm not trying to win. So, and I've come up com- really competitive in a couple of weeks and it's yeah, kind of scary, have. but, um, at least from that aspect, it's good not to have to worry about setting a lineup when you have. 10 leagues that you're worried about. Well, the interesting thing on that is, is that, and it's kind of how it worked out for you too, is that, yes, you traded back, you got acquired more picks, you did all this stuff, you went to productive struggle, but it gave you the opportunity at the same time where you didn't care. You kind of, you didn't care if you overdrafted players or you reached on a player. Um, For example, Lamb, you, you, I don't remember where you took him, but you could have taken him a round or two early and, it wouldn't have mattered because you weren't planning on winning, but you went and got that young asset that worked out for you. You know what I mean? And yeah. That, that gives you that that kind of freedom in that sense because, again, like I said, you're not worried about winning. So if you're overdrafting these players so that making sure that you're getting them and because you know they're going to be productive in a year or two, it's worth it at that point. Yeah, and that's one of those things. It's another kind of philosophy type thing when we're talking about Dynasty where I look to build, um, especially my productive struggle teams, but a lot of teams in general. Build them around the young stud receivers because they have a lot more longevity as opposed to the running backs and, um, you know, mostly the running backs, really. I look at running backs in two to three year windows. Um, If you get a a running back on their rookie contract, great. You let them go through their rookie contract and then see you later. Um, If you end up with a stud running back like a CMC, then you can have another contract option out of them and then try and move them on a year or two too early before it's too late. that's kind of just how I decided to look at roster construction from a dynasty perspective. But there were certain guys that think Trey Lance was another one. I probably reached on around earlier than I really needed to. Um, and I also managed to pay up in this league for Kyle Pitts. Um, I had acquired so many first round 22 firsts. I ended up moving two of them along with um, Dallas Goddard in order to get back Kyle Pitts in a third. The third I don't really care about, but Kyle Pitts is the player to really Right, Target and he was trade. the hot commodity coming into the league. Exactly. So now I'm building a team around Joe Burrow, Javante Williams, CD, um, Justin Jefferson, Kyle Pitts. Brandon Ayuk is kind of blown up in my face, but... But coming in, he looked like the hot young wide receiver, so I get it. Yeah, and Trey Lance is another one. So kind of to your point, as far as not, you know, you have a, a ton of depth. Because I did so many trade backs, I don't have a ton of depth. But in these future rookie drafts, I can make trades. Um, or draft rookies as they see fit to start building upon that depth and kind of see where it goes. It, it'll be interesting to see how these productive struggle teams end up a, a year or two from now. It'll be good to look back on and kind of see where it, where it goes. Sure. So I guess the moral of the story, and kind of to bring all of this full circle, because I think we've kind of hit all the points at this point. Um, as far as redraft goes, if you're at the bottom of the barrel right now, don't panic completely yet. Give it a little bit of time, kind of evaluate your team, evaluate, and be honest with yourself. Be harshly honest with yourself. You have to be. What your team is, is it really a competitor? Spend some time, look at it, see what's on the waiver wire. Can you make some moves? Is there a trade that you can make? Really evaluate these things. Go from there. But do not panic. Do not completely just sell out and for one big player. That One player is never going to win you a league. Right. You need to have a balance. So really evaluate it, see where you can 
if you can get by with a se- unsexy guy like Renfro and get those 10 to 15 points a week as your flex play and, and be able to trade away, uh, I don't know, a Sutton and something to go get a, a high-value wide receiver instead of having two low-end wide receivers in something in that sense. You know what I mean? It, you got to make it look at moves like that where you're going to get more value, you're going to get more consistent points out of these guys, and you can take the hit on these lower guys where you can pick up waiver wire players and things of that sort to fill in. And that's the great part of outreach draft is that you're never completely out of anything. Yeah, you have to really evaluate your roster, like you said, and also kind of just see what you need. Do you need a, a boom-bust player type thing? Because some teams need that. You need sure. a difference maker on your team that can win you some weeks. Um, or do you have too many boom-bust players and you say, you know what, I need a Tim Patrick in my life. Right. And, you know, I, I need something that will give me some kind of stability to where I'm not losing the week because I have Tim Patrick in there and he's the difference maker that ends up winning me the week. Sure. Like yeah, I said, it's, you have to it's check. Tough. It's very tough. And like I said, you just got to be patient, evaluate your team. And the same goes for, for Dynasty, evaluate your team. But Dynasty, you can be a little more strategic and really kind of figure out what your next move is. And you don't have to rush it so much because, again, you own these teams for a long time. So don't go make any rash decisions. Take your time, be calculated, play the game. You'll end up in a better spot in the long run. Yeah, and full disclosure for myself, I I try to be a year early as far as moving on from players or just kind of seeing the lay of the land in terms of the league. Um, so I try and plan ahead with that in mind, but that doesn't mean it's going to work out every time. Things change, like we said earlier. Things sure? change week to week. Um, but that's just, especially in a dynasty-type format, try and look ahead um take advantage of value where you can where you can get rookie picks on the cheap get those and then those end up accruing value over time especially when it comes to draft day when you're holding all those picks and people are trying to you know they're messaging you for those picks now the power is in your hands and you can kind of dictate okay what players do i really want for these picks and go from there but that is all i got for this week you got anything else you want to add Let's hope JT doesn't score 30 tonight, and then uh, I'll be 5-0 and in our home redraft league. So, fingers crossed. Oh, so we're hoping for JT for 30, then? Absolutely not, no. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Oh, man, that's great. But all right, boys, that is all I got for you this week. It's been great. It's been fun. Thanks. Take care, guys. That was a good one. Beautiful. Peace, boys. See ya.